Sally Ann Bates was born on May 18, 1978 in Hattersley, England to her parents, Tommy and Margaret Bates. Her family had always been very close to one another and they described Kelly as confident, independent and mature for her age so it didn't come as a huge surprise to her parents when one day Kelly, aged 14 at the time, told her parents that she had a boyfriend called Dave but unfortunately it all goes downhill from here. Kelly often babysat for various families in her area and whilst on one particular job she met 45-year-old James Patterson who quickly became smitten with the 14-year-old and this just absolutely makes my skin crawl. I mean, it's just wrong on so many levels. And so a relationship between the two started, however, Kelly decided to keep many aspects of the relationship a secret She thought that her parents wouldn't understand, and I mean, rightly so. This is a 45-year-old man and a 14-year-old girl. So when she told them about this Dave, aka James, her parents just assumed that he was a boy probably from Kelly's school. James was Kelly's first boyfriend, and it wasn't long before she began to look for more ways to spend time with him. She started sneaking out of the house on a night and sometimes not returning home until the next morning or sometimes not returning home for two days at a time. Now, you know, I've I've been there, I've done that and looking back I do realise just how stupid it was but at the time, especially when you're so young, you just feel, you just feel invincible and so adamant that you know right and you know what you're doing and that you're in love and I guess it makes you feel grown up or at least that's how I felt anyways and in reality that's just not the case. So Dave started to call Kelly's home and spoke with her mother about Kelly's activities, you know what she was doing etc and instantly her mother felt like she had an ally. Just a couple of weeks later though Kelly brought Dave home to meet her parents and Of course, I guess you could say that her parents were a bit shocked when they saw this Dave guy for the first time because, well, he he wasn't a schoolboy like they thought. He was a full-grown man. Her dad actually asked her, you know, he's a bit older than you, Kelly. Are you sure, you, you know, this is what you want? And Kelly just said, well, I would have been with older people anyways. Kelly had grown up around older people all her life, you know, she played hockey with college girls and she was much more mature than other kids her age. Now I understand this and I really do and it's it's not uncommon and I was the same and people would always point it out and tell me. And as for relationships, age gaps aren't really a problem when you're an adult. But when you're that age, when you are still a child in a relationship with a man, it's not a relationship, it is grooming, full stop, it is. So anyway, Kelly told her parents that he was only 32, so not as old as he actually is, but, you know, it's still not okay. Her mother, on the other hand, reacted much differently to her father. As her mother was coming down the stairs, she saw Dave for the first time. She said, quote, As soon as I saw him, the hairs on the back of my neck went up. I tried everything I could to get Kellyanne away from him, end quote. So she instantly started asking around, trying to find out if anybody knew of this 32-year-old Dave Smith. 
But surprise, surprise, nobody had ever heard of him. You know, it's almost as if he just didn't exist. Now, her parents could have told Kelly that no, she wasn't allowed to see him. They could have tried to put a stop to it, but they decided to take pride in her independence and her confidence and fatally opted to allow the relationship for the time being. But I mean, even if they had forbidden Kelly to see him, she probably would have found a way to see him anyway. I know a lot of the time when parents in particular say no, it just makes you want to do whatever it is even more. And the thing that gets me though is even when Dave admitted to her parents that he was actually 48 and not 32, they still chose to let her carry on this relationship. And that's just one year older than her own dad. But for the next few months, Kelly continued to see James on and off. Kelly liked the attention he gave her and it made her feel good. And James, knowing that Kelly had lied to her parents multiple times to protect him, used this to drive a deeper wedge between her and her parents. It got to a point where Kelly felt she could no longer reach out to her parents and let them know and talk to them about what was going on with their relationship after she had done so much to make them happy about the situation. And after being with him about a year, she began staying over on weekends, Friday to Sunday, and he would constantly call and check up on her, possibly trying to assert his control, but to Kelly, it just made her think that he was so in love with her, she couldn't see these red flags, and I mean, don't forget, she is still a child, and in her mind, he truly cared about her, enough to check up on her, more than that more than the family did at this point and by the age of 16 Kelly is spending more and more time with him and less and less time with her parents. But when she did return home it's like her parents didn't even recognise her. She wasn't clean, her hair was messy and dirty as well as her clothes but even the way she held herself had changed, you know her head was always down, chin to her chest, just didn't seem interested. Now occasionally, James and Kelly would break up for a day or two, and when this happened, James grew even more possessive over her. It's said that he would physically put her onto a bus when she was leaving his house, and he would call her mum to let her know that Kelly had left, and he'd then call Kelly's house the second that she was supposed to get home. James knew exactly how long the bus ride was, and I guess he was making sure that Kelly wasn't going to other places. Even if she was a minute late, he would freak out and yell down the phone to her mum, assuming Kelly had gone somewhere else. And her mother decided it was time to put her foot down, and she told her basically like, look, I know you don't like the rules that were set in, but you know, at least let us know where you are and that you're okay. And the next time that you do it, you know, you can leave, you can leave the house. And Kelly didn't like this and she chose to leave, but only to return a few days later to pack the rest of her things up. And her mum walked into her room and saw that one side of her face was black. She had a huge, solid bruise across the side of her face. And when her mum questioned her about this, she just said that she'd been jumped by some girls. However, as time passed by, her mum started to notice other injuries on Kelly's, you know, like fingertip bruising around her neck and bite marks on her arms, but Kelly always claimed that she fell or tripped. 
Eventually, her mum decided to contact the authorities and asked what she could do. They told her to make a doctor's appointment in Kelly's name and go instead and explain what was happening. This was if Kelly ever turned up at the doctors, at least they would be aware and be able to assess accordingly. So her mum was getting more and more concerned and begged Kelly to leave James, but Kelly refused every time and at this point she just stopped seeing her mum. She tells her that she got a job and was working a lot of overtime, but in actual fact she was just going to see James. And her mum believed her, and from this point on, they only ever spoke over the phone. By now, James has got full control over Kelly. She doesn't speak to her family. I mean, she sends them cards, but she doesn't sign them. And I'm not even sure they were even in her handwriting. Kelly's brother tried to see her at the home that she now shares with James, but James would always say that she wasn't home. He wouldn't let him see her. And when concerned neighbours asked how she was, he only allowed her to be briefly seen through an upstairs window. You know, she was now no longer allowed outside. It is now April 16th, 1996, when James calmly makes his way to the police station, where he tells officers that Kelly has drowned in the bath. James claimed that they had been arguing and Kelly swallowed too much water and drowned herself. And now I'm not entirely sure if this is even possible, but anyway, the police go into the home and find Kelly naked in the bath and they could immediately tell by the position that her body was in that she had been murdered. The police straight away go to her parents' house and before they could even say anything, her mother point blank says, quote, he's killed her. And, you know, Kelly was only 17 years old. Her parents were allowed to view Kelly's body and they immediately demanded to know what happened to her. During the police investigation, it was determined that Kelly was extensively tortured for at least four weeks before they had found her body. She had injured over 150 separate injuries and it was very clear that she'd been starved and was severely dehydrated. Now, word of warning, this next part may be a bit disturbing to some listeners. She had been burned on her backside and the backs of her legs with boiling hot water. Her kneecaps were crushed so that she couldn't walk and she had stab wounds from scissors, forks and knives all over her body and inside her mouth. Both her hands had been crushed and she had suffered severe mutilation of her ears, nose, mouth, lips and genitalia. There were also wounds that looked like they had been caused by hedge clippers and a shovel. Both her eyes had been taken out and there were stab wounds inside of her eye sockets. It was actually reported by medical examiners that her eyes had been removed at least five days before her death, or possibly even three weeks. There are several more injuries, but these are just some of the worst, and honestly, when I first started researching this case, I had no idea just how brutal and awful this murder was. I can't can't even imagine how scared and hurt Kelly would have been. She suffered in so many ways, in more ways than people could possibly even imagine. 
So what's James got to say about this? He literally strolled into the police office, said that she'd drowned. I mean, obviously, he knows, I should know. I'd be assuming so, that they would go and check on her. And if he's left her in that sort of state, then what was he expecting? But, I mean, he tried to make it seem like he hurt her only because she wanted him to. I mean, what the fuck? (laughs) What the actual fuck? Obviously, police knew this wasn't true in the slightest. I mean, Kelly's blood was found in every room of the house and the death was ruled as a drowning. And during the investigation, James's real name and age came out and was also found that he'd been divorced in 1980 after he had previously beat his ex-wife and then dated a 20-year-old woman who said she was basically a punching bag for James. This survivor even said that he beat her while she was pregnant with his child. James went on to date a 15-year-old who he tried to drown in the kitchen sink. So it's become very obvious that Kelly isn't his first victim in all of this. In the actual trial, James tried to put all the blame onto Kelly. He said that Kelly made him so angry that he would lash out and he was painting himself as a victim. He said that Kelly provoked him to kill her by taunting him about his mother's death and even went as far to say that she inflicted her own injuries to make him look bad. And... It's no surprise that it only took the jury one hour of deliberating to decide that he was so guilty. The jury had to see photos and hear in detail what happened to Kelly. And because of how graphic this case was, all the jury members were offered counselling and, again, no surprise, every single member of the jury accepted this. So, on November 19th, 1997, James Smith, who was aged 49 now, was found guilty of the murder of Kellyanne Bates and he was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 20 years in jail. But nothing will ever undo the horrific acts that he carried out against Kelly. I mean, her story is truly so awful, but I do think it's important. You know, it's easy to think that abuse won't happen to you, but in reality, it could happen to any one of us. And if you are a survivor of abuse, please know that everything you think and everything you feel is valid. And if you are currently being abused, then please know that you are loved and there is help out there for you. I'm actually going to put some links into the show notes for various online help. So abuse, it rarely gets better and in most cases it progressively gets worse. And this case is also a reminder to those who haven't suffered abuse to know the warning signs and offer help when it's possible. No matter what you're going through or whatever your situation, you are not alone.